last fall, like hyper stealth dark matter detector. Is dark energy actually light? Hyper stealth announces Navy 4CE project see through that's S E A through, um, which I think is something to wrap naval vessels in uh, that. Yeah, conce- for the concealment of smaller maritime surface and subsurface naval assets. So they are like selling this stuff basically to uh, the militaries, uh, to the Canadian military, to the U.S. military. I think I've seen like all, basically all around the world. Um, they have sold a lot of this technology to. But it's kind of fascinating that you don't really – a lot of it has been I think – Deployed in, uh, well, certain types of, uh, okay, here's something weird. Okay, hold up. July 2015, Hyperstealth bids farewell to Hollywood. Uh, Okay, so bear with me on this. Uh, Hollywood came calling nine years ago, and since that time, Hyperstealth has worked in developing camouflage used on many hundreds of uniforms for both TV series and blockbuster movies. The worldwide box office grosses for those movies, which use Hyperstealth camouflage uniforms, is $4.9 billion US dollars, including three of the top six movies of all time. If you add the movies Hyperstealth has provided camouflage for pre- or post-production, then the number goes to $6 billion US dollars, and adding those movies which use patterns developed by Guy Kramer, President CEO Stiper Hyperstealth, but are independent of Hyperstealth, and the total worldwide box office gross goes to $7.3 billion US dollars. Hyperstealth provided very fast short-run production at fairly inexpensive rates, whereas large textile printers require 10,000-yard minimums, with considerable upfront costs on screen cuttings and color sampling, and screen cutting alone could take... This is like a rambling press release that I think like Guy Kramer Yeah, I'm, I feel like these people are a little <laughs> bit nuts. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, so I'm what? wondering, like, what's going on? You know? Wait, like, oh my up? god. Oh, oh my God, this, okay, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, like, yeah, okay, so, the, uh, I don't know, like, they're, to, to, they're this, this bragging about like, this. That's what I'm like, you know. No, no, yeah, it's on their website, uh, it's on their website. Yeah, no, no, no I know it's their... on their website, but I'm just wondering, like, are, do does this technology, like, really work, you know, like, because I, well, I saw the video, which is very impressive, like, you know, if it does function, but I just wonder, like, you know. I mean, CNN uh, reported it. It, it. Like, this is reported in mainstream news. Yale Scientific wrote that whole article yeah, about no, it. I like, saw, I like, assume yeah. this guy might just be an eccentric. Uh, well, okay, let, let's listen to his explanation. Why did he walk away from Hollywood in 2015? And why uh, did Avengers why? Age of Ultron need? No, I know, like, I know. We'll get like the, the club. Yeah. You know, like. Okay, let, yeah. let's see. Like, so why has Hyperstealth decided to walk away from further movie TV business? This is not their core business. When times were lean a few years ago, these contracts helped supplement Hyperstealth's revenue, but the time constraints of all these productions required that Hyperstealth drop everything else and focus 110% on the movie or TV project, working 12 to 16 hour days and over weekends and holidays to meet their deadlines. Quite often, the science fiction movies and TV series want something futuristic, a new material and or a new pattern, something that no one has seen before. These movie TV requirements are usually more than what a a country development program would require for a new military camp camouflage pattern and country camouflage pattern development is currently the core business of hyperstealth in business there's an element of marketing promotion and or branding to offset the costs associated with the extra work 
required for these special short-run jobs. However, getting a studio to authorize a press release or even allowing Hyperstealth to announce their pattern was used in a film or TV show was at best difficult. Hyperstealth is under strict NDA with the studios and productions, and Hyperstealth didn't even show up in any of the movie credits. That's weird. Uh, Out of all the big movies Hyperstealth has worked on, only Marvel Studios provided a one-page press release a week after the release of Avengers Age of Ultron, but would not allow the release of photos from the movie or production showing the camouflage uniforms. Hyperstealth had to take a photo of their camouflage material in their office to use with the press release. Guy Kramer, president CEO, says, while we have been highly successful with the movies and TV shows, it has interfered with our key business, and when you are unable to make that your highest priority, then we are putting Hollywood ahead of our main clients, that being country camouflage programs. We don't need their Hollywood money. We can't really afford the extra time, and given Hollywood's track record on credit, we don't see any real benefits from further movies or TV shows. Like, okay, okay, word, okay, that's interesting. Um, kind uh, of uh, places uh, uh, places hyperstealth at the scene of the disappearance, at the very least, that they were basically, unbeknownst to anybody, because the studios wouldn't allow it, there's a few weird things going on there. That aspect yeah, I, of the studios telling them that they couldn't publicize using that technology is weird when the military was allowing them to like put videos out there. Isn't that odd? Yeah. I want to know more like about uh, like the hyper stealth stuff. Like it seems like a little weird. Uh, I'm reading this article from Gizmodo now. It says the government says it wasted millions of dollars dressing the Afghan army in proprietary camouflage. So, yeah, like, uh, founded in 1999, the Canadian company started out, or out around a plan to make hyperbaric chambers and passive negative ion generators for professional hockey players, very Canadian, but later hmm. pivoted to making copyrighted camouflage patterns and maybe one day an invisibility cloak. According to its website, it has worked with over 50 countries to develop camouflage patterns, blah, blah, blah. Um, the dramatic, this dramatically rendered report recounts how the group, in consultation with uh, Afghanistan's then Minister of Defense, Abdul Rahim Wardak, emailed the company to tell it they ran across uh, Hyperstuff's website uh, and the minister liked what he saw. The patterns were pretty cool. So then, based on no testing of its appropriateness for Afghanistan's landscape, the group decided the Afghan National Army's new uniforms would be in the uh, Spec Forays Forest Camouflage, one of the copyrighted patterns. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So they used a woodland pattern that, like, sucked, uh, and, like, you know, for an uh, Yeah, they, I, you know, that, yeah. like, really blocky style of yeah. camouflage. Yeah. Right. Although, you know, I feel like uh, I get the idea behind the blocky style, but I think maybe the color uh, scheme, like the woodland mm-hmm. uh, scheme. Uh, not ideal for Afghanistan. Yeah. No, definitely not ideal. Um, but... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, the yeah, but the, like the Afghan border police were uh, authorized the Ghost X Kilo One pattern in 2011. You kind of go back and like they are. It's interesting. You can kind of match up. There's nothing too suspicious in the timeline around Elisa Lamb, except that they were uh, working with Call of Duty Black Ops Two, which I believe was mostly being kind of like a lot of production for it was happening in Los Angeles at that time. Uh, leading up yeah. to that game coming out and so i guess that's one thing they could have been doing in la but there's not really anything except like multiple people joining the boards 
uh, around January, February, March of 2013. Uh, and then I guess they they got another CTV news profile in March 2013. Uh, yeah, March 2013. Canadian company creates quantum stealth invisibility cloak. And uh, that is, uh, yeah, and their Deceptex fabric uh, also. This is another and, interesting uh, uh, explanation of their technology. Uh, the phenomenon of refraction, which is the, quote, bending of light, occurs when light passes at an angle from one medium with one particular density into another medium with an unequal density. Say, from air to water, for example. The light gets bent, sorry, light, because as it passes from one medium into another, it changes its speed thanks to the change in density between the two mediums. The best way to imagine this is by imagining a car driving from one smoother surface, say, freshly paved asphalt, onto another rougher surface like sand. As the car hits the sand at an angle, Mm. one of its front wheels will hit the sand first and slow down, forcing the other faster moving wheel to turn because both wheels are connected to the car. In the case of hyperstealth's quantum stealth material, light is refracted when it passes from air, one medium, into a sheet of lenticular lenses, a different medium with a different density. But refracting the light is only part of the problem. If refraction made things invisible, then people would disappear when they jumped in pools. This is why a Mm -hmm. sheet of lenticular lenses has to be used here. Not only do the lenticular lenses refract light, but they do so in a way that a dead spot is created. The light enters the lenticular lenses from the air and is reflected off in opposite directions, creating a dead spot in the middle of the two refracted rays of light. Interesting. Mm. Um, oh, okay. So that's how you can have it be that, like, the object kind of in the middle of the frame is, is yeah, not there, but spot. the overall... Yeah, although it just seems like, yeah, it seems like whatever is behind it, like, you know, any kind of, like, object isn't there. Like, it doesn't matter where you're standing, whether you're in the middle or on the side. Yeah. Like, as long as okay. you're behind this material, you can't be seen uh hmm. but like the what's the background generally can which is yeah it's crazy yeah uh, but, yeah and i'm seeing here that uh, like the the few photos that he has of people wearing the cloaks or holding up the things like they are kind of crappy and not fully convincing on purpose because yeah they for security issues they cannot show the actual technology but they assure cnn that uh all of the you know military heads have uh witnessed this technology in action and it, it is kind of a big deal if it can basically refract infrared light and be invisible to like thermal you know uh, goggles or cameras like that because then you yeah. really are invisible and then i don't know it's like would they start telling us if they were using this out in the field i uh, was certainly not right away <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah certainly learn. not right away. Yeah, uh, but they yeah. would have to test it in certain regards. And I think that's where maybe this theory of which, of course, is like it's a it's, it, you know, it's kind of a Hail Mary pass in some regards. But I think all this stuff is so interesting that it's like it's worth throwing that Hail Mary pass. Just kind of like work through it and consider yeah. some things I mean, like, like I, I'm almost. Yeah. I'm almost feeling yeah, like a program I mean, to kill angle coming into this, like, you know, basically like covering up, like doing murders basically in like the seventies and eighties that are for other reasons. But then if you like kind of get people to believe it's a serial killer, then it's kind of treated in a different way and you can cover up a lot of stuff by pretending to be a serial killer. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that was kind of like what Dave McGowan was kind of hinting at, that there was that hand of death cult that was like trained, you know, like paramilitary skills in the Everglades. And they were all part of some kind of like loose national network of kind of like sicko hitmen more than like the normal FBI narrative of what we think of uh, serial killers. But just in that same way, the Cecil Hotel 
is a place that has an overwhelming reputation for like death, madness, insanity, evil, being haunted, etc. And so yeah. if you were, say, going to do things, I mean, even Richard Ramirez, who was like kind of, you know, learned all this stuff from like his cousin who was a green beret he used to show him like torture porn photos and stuff like that and there's like a weird kind of like phoenix programming thing kind of go or at least he was like inspired by like the things that were done in the phoenix program to go do it in america whether or not he was like programmed to kill or not that that is an eerie kind of a influence on him and then of course the fact that like he was literally a satanist um mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. And and like, you know, is that area in the sixth above the sixth floor of the Cecil? Would that be if you were going to try out experiment with uh, somebody or something uh, in in the most like evil end of the spectrum? Like, would that not be kind of a ideal place to do it? Because no matter what happens, people are just going to go, oh, yeah, well, that's the Cecil. Like, what, you know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you, I mean, maybe, like, you know, uh, like, just to go, like, you know, to take some of this, like, to uh, for granted, like, you know, maybe there was some kind of invisible soldier or, like, tester uh, agent around, and that, like, freaked her out and caused her to behave, like, so erratically. It just seems odd, like, why would you need to commit a murder, like, to test the technology, you know? Like, uh, uh like... Right? Like, why would you need to? Uh, yeah, a I mean, no, it's true. I, I don't think that like, a murder no, would be necessary. Me, like it works, you know, even like, with uh, like the targeted yeah. individual stuff, like the Camellio narrative, uh, he doesn't like kill. They never like, att- they, you know, they harass him. They definitely make his life hell. They kind of torture him, but like they don't kind of just try to murder him or things like that. Yeah. Usually, it seems like it's more of a pattern of like harassment or like surveillance and things like that. And right. so I, I think, but that also in the Camellia story, that guy described how they also had technology was able to almost like simulate like optical illusions. Like they could do something that would make the room small, looks like feel smaller and then feel bigger. And I think a few times maybe he had like somebody else there who like also experienced the same thing. So that, that confirmed to him that like he wasn't just kind of hallucinating, but that it was yeah. like some kind of like, you know, a directed energy weapon was being aimed at that, like at his house. And so that caused like yeah. all kinds of strange uh, hallucinations and, and things like that. So I don't know. It's like, you know, there people have speculated about all kinds of wild, like was she attacked by directed energy weapons that made her like trip out? And then there was a, like a Camellio guy there with an invisibility cloak that was like grabbing onto her hand, which is why it kind of looks like maybe sometimes like she's resting, like, like she's reacting to somebody like grabbing her hand who's like invisible i don't know like uh at the same time Um, like she could have just been moving her hands around but you know it it plugs into a lot of things because then it's like well how did nobody see her like why you know how did she uh how could somebody you know stalk her undetected without her screaming or yelling or anything like that i don't know it's uh well it you know, she and and then the synchronicities would make sense because this would be part still. of like some kind of uh, I don't know mass ritual kind of thing. Maybe yeah. that's going in a different direction. But the the I the lamb yeah, Elisa. Guess, well, a mass ritual almost makes it make more sense than just like a test of technology because like the whole you know if it were a ritual that would almost make it like you know that would almost have a certain logic to to the murder being committed. Uh, just like you know for it to be just a test like you know you don't there almost would have to be like a ritual 
component to like truly make it like have some kind of logic to it uh but the yeah the i mean like uh and and maybe there would have to be a point much like you know we've considered with 9-11 that they want it to be a big deal they want it to be a story they want everybody um, to see it yeah although i will say there is a big difference between elisa lamb and the the camellio like guy you know the the main sort of uh figure in that story because he like you know was the one who we presume i think they were kind of uh communicated secondhand but uh you know he the victim like relayed all this information he had like stolen yeah. files you know like yeah. uh, and he was the one who was saying like this is all true whereas like elisa yeah. lamb as far as we know like you know her own she only indicated that one sort of retweet interest in this um you know it doesn't necessarily mean yeah she, something exactly. of a different nature but they that is a sort of different situation uh relatedly to mm-hmm. that there is uh there's a, a very great paragraph in uh, Jake Anderson's Gone at Midnight book about a conversation that he had uh, with this one guy. So uh, he said, Earlier, I mentioned seeing a comment in a forum thread in which a user by the name of Mark claimed to have direct evidence of what happened to Elisa. He claimed to know what happened, how it happened, and more. He even claimed to be in contact with her parents about discussing a course of action. I sent Mark a message telling him I would like to speak with him, and he responded with his phone number. We texted a bit before the call. He identified himself as a 62-year-old man and talked up his credentials by saying he had worked on about 30 cold cases and had solved more than half of them, doing so in only a few hours and without even leaving his house. A couple days later, I called him, and for the first five minutes or so, Mark seemed to be reasonable and knowledgeable of the case. He seemed to be genuinely passionate about it. Mark said that his revelations of what happened to Elisa resulted only from close examination of the surveillance tape. He used a special web tool that allowed him to zoom in super close on the pixels. At some point in the conversation, Mark's rhetoric took a marked departure as he started referring to what was really going on in the elevator. He claimed that with the assistance of his tool, he could see a combination of belts and clamps that kept Elise's entire body bound such that it stays firm instead of limbs flopping around. They put a strap on over the top of her head to hold it steady. Elisa is dead in the surveillance video, Mark said. A group of men are using pulleys and straps. I'm getting chills like reading this. Are using what? pulleys and straps to manipulate her movements like a puppet. Mark kept talking, but my eyes glazed over. Was this a joke? Was he trolling me? As he continued, I realized he wasn't kidding. He actually believed what he was saying. The surveillance video was performance to make people think she lost her mind. She was already dead, and her murders were part of a satanic cult to use Elisa for a ritual sacrifice. I know you don't believe me, Mark said. Trust me, I know what it sounds like. Most people think I'm crazy. But you gotta think outside the box. There's a lot more going on in this reality than most people can handle. Mark, I, uh, I started to respond, but then stopped. There was nothing to say. I think that's, like, a very interesting image of, like, her being moved around by, like, ropes and pulleys. Like, it's a kind of yeah. on-your-puppet type yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. thing. Definitely. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, wow, that is very that creepy. By, yeah, your idea of the, like, uh you know, uh, the sort of invisible person, like, moving her around or something. It uh, kind of is the same sort of idea, although I guess it is the, really the same because uh, only with his special tool is he able to see uh, the sort of ropes and and pulleys. Well, I and, mean, what uh, is, yeah, what is that? that? Yeah. He's he's clicking enhance a bunch of times? Like, yeah, I to, guess he has a special uh, web tool. He actually, uh, this... Um, comes up uh, a little bit again. Uh, he found some guy called Winther, 
and uh, messaged him on Facebook, and this guy went there, interrogated him over his last name, demanding to know if he was sweet, if uh, if I was Swedish. This is Anderson talking. Uh, we hmm. were off to a good start. Did you ever meet Elisa? I wrote, recalling our first chat when he claimed Elisa visited him in Norway. A gentleman mm-hmm. doesn't tell. That's an odd thing to say, as in you were involved. Wait, what? With her. He she right. visited him. According to this guy, seems like uh, she would have mentioned something about that in her blogs. Not at all. The blogs are pretty much cover up. She's not depressed or confused. She wasn't bipolar in any way. How do you know that? If you ever studied at a university, you'll know that 50% of the girls appear to be suicidal and crazy. Have you ever been at a party with drunk students? Well, Elisa is certainly more sane and smarter than the average female student. Take a look at the skulls and bones in the USA. Madness. But of course, later they become President of the United States. What does it have to do with Elisa? You're governed by madmen, pseudo-Swede. Yes, aren't we all? <laughs> at this point, I ready to discontinue the conversation. He had displayed more than enough misogyny and delusional aggression. Then he said something that made me think he had some level of self-reflection. Internet is flowing over with psychopaths and maladjusted people. I think weak individuals need to put a negative label on others in order to compensate for their inferiority complexes. Then he abruptly switched lanes. You probably should know the case involves a cooperation between the Mexican Mafia and Cosa Nostra. At least a couple of head officers and security guards at the hotel were apart. The Mexican Mafia was involved in Elisa's death? Yes, she discovered the drug trafficking. They left the key in the basement door. And Elisa saw him. They stood behind the, beside the secret tunnel used for transporting money, drugs, and people into the hotel. But one night, they forgot the key in the lock. And Elisa was there. I've been attacked for looking into it. Well, that sounds dangerous, I said, recalling the numerous rumors I'd heard of gang and cartel activity being facilitated through the Cecil. And of course, the cartel money laundering operation running out of the fashion district only blocks away from the Cecil. Who knows? Maybe Winther was onto mm. something. You can't be afraid of killing or being killed in this game carry a gun and learn how to use it after this he got belligerent again and blocked me i was about at my wits end with online conspiracists and was about to swear off the forms completely when i saw a comment by someone claiming to have made contact with the parents he spoke guardedly and seemed like he had done his research i messaged him and asked if he would speak to me on the phone he gave me his number so you spoke to the parents i asked you would be the first i know it's been a long journey but i felt they needed to know the truth that their daughter was murdered why do they think why do you think she was murdered I took a different approach to this, Jake. I went back to the source, the primary piece of evidence, the surveillance tape. Okay, you've got my attention, I thought. The surveillance tape has time code cuts and definitely seems to have been doctored. And what was mm-hmm. in the surveillance tape shows conclusively that she was killed. The killers are right there, Jake. I paused. You mean in the hallway? No, in the elevator with Elisa. You have to train your eyes to see them to understand what's going on. Oh God, no, I thought. It's him. It's Mark. I had forgotten his name, and now I was once again talking to the man who believed Elisa was already dead in the elevator tape and was being controlled like a puppet by a cabal of Satanists. <laughs> oh, we've spoken before, I said weakly. Yes, yes, and I told you they use these belts and straps that you can only see with a special web tool. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, uh, um, yeah. He goes uh, on about how he did... Yeah, as a video editor, uh, I'd like to know what web tool he's speaking of. Like, <laughs> that um, reveals but, invisible straps. Uh, yes. But I, no, go uh, on, go yeah. on. I'm intrigued. I mean, well, you know, uh, again, this guy's sort of uh, story about having talked to the parents kind of does break down, um, you know, uh, and he says, like, you know, he claimed to have spoke to the parents, but he said, I actually spoke to their spokeswoman. She said the family is at peace with the investigation and does not wish to pursue it any further. You know, uh, and the author is kind of relieved that he didn't actually confront the family with this idea. But eventually he did send him the screenshots of, you know, the web tools, uh, you know, after this guy was begging him really to believe him. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. he says what he saw was incoherent scrambles of pixelated shapes he had zoomed in on. Mark could see patterns in the digital static, and he knew just how to interpret them. In the chaos, he saw killers and demons, and with the raw dynamics of evil laid bare, this world made sense to him. One of the stills was just a close-up of the pixels of Elisa's eyes, which are just smeared dabs of pure black. This was doppelganger Elisa, apparently. Um, so, so she yeah, was a doppelganger I mean, as well? Okay, yeah. I don't know, um, maybe she or, was, or a, she was a just doll dead, or dead, so. or I don't know, but... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like he, I mean, Anderson's idea, like, probably he is correct, this guy is just, like, you know, one of the many people out there who are nuts, but... Uh, it does kind of converge what we've been talking about and it is like a very chilling idea and image and one that like uh, resonates with a lot of the uh, themes that we've explored in the past around like uh, the occult and puppetry Um, absolutely uh, absolutely there is yeah that's a really creepy like uh, like camellia they're right there you know you just can't see them yeah we can burn these yeah true um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's as good as a as as a guy the CEO says, as Guy Kramer says it is. Uh, then I guess you wouldn't really be able to see it, would you? Yeah. For access to the full length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com/slash subliminaljihad.